greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the reason for us to gather in this way. <clears throat> this church, the building, is not new to me. I've been here many times, as has been mentioned. When you're asked to preach at a church that you're not, I'm just going to say it, not used to, you wonder who all is going to be there. But you know, it really doesn't matter. Wherever we go, we are still able to. We are still allowed to gather in his name to worship him. So it's good to see many familiar faces this morning. Some we haven't seen in quite a while. Others we see all the time. The text I've chosen this morning, as I was thinking of this, I thought, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it's right, maybe it is, that we have favorite scriptures. The entire word of God is precious. But there are some scriptures that just stand out to us and say, it speaks to you in a different way. And that's what the text is this morning from John chapter 6, beginning in verse 66. Now, if we, if we look at the events in the beginning of the chapter, from the beginning of the chapter to now, we have several very eventful things that happened. And one of them was the uh, feeding of 5,000. Jesus said to his disciples, you know, these people need to be fed. And they knew it was going to take one, uh, one person said that it would have cost $1,000 to feed all of them in that day. And one of the disciples said, well, there's a little boy here with five loaves and two sardines. So go get them. With the power of Jesus, they fed 5,000 people plus and had 12 baskets full left over. So after this, after this particular miracle, the people were persuaded that Jesus was this prophet that was coming. Some were even thinking this is the true one that's going to set us free from the rule of the Roman government. Jesus knew all things, yes, even what they were thinking. And then at the end of the day, Jesus departed and went to a mountain. He often did that, went alone to pray to his father. A good example for us. Then the disciples got into a ship. They were out there. At nighttime, the waters became rough. They were scared. Then they see Jesus and he calms the sea. The next day, though, people were once again looking for Jesus. When they finally caught up with him, Jesus told them that, you know, they're not following him for what they can, because of who he is. They're following him because they want more food. 
Once again, he knew their heart. Then he gave them a lengthy uh, discourse on he, Jesus, being the bread of life. Bread is what they had gotten the day before. Now he tells them he is the bread of life. And so this morning I'm going to say the opportunity to be his is universal. There may be some here this morning that are wondering what their purpose is in life. After beginning to prepare this message, I thought of so many different scriptures that tie into some of the thoughts in these verses. And before I go ahead, I want to read them. Verse 66 through 69, I'll be reading from King James Version. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter speaks up and says, you have the words of eternal life. Peter often gets a rap. He's, you know, it is said the Apostle Paul is pro- was probably the greatest missionary, preacher, evangelist ever to live. And I believe that. But I believe this morning we need more Peters in the world. You know, it was Peter at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It was Peter who, after the Holy Spirit came and there were like 17 different nationalities there and they could all understand what was being said and the people around them didn't understand what was going on and they said, these men are filled with new wine. These people are drunk. And it was Peter that got up and defended them. He said, no, they're not drunk. It's early in the morning. These people are not drunk. And then he went on to say that it is you that deliver Jesus to be killed. And then one night they were out on the sea and they see Jesus. And at first they thought it was a ghost walking on the water. And Jesus, or Peter, steps out of the boat, steps into the water and walks toward him. Walked until he took his eyes off of him. I think that was a good lesson for him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So what is this words of eternal life? I'm just going to refer to several scriptures. Colossians chapter 1 verse 5. The beginning of the verse says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, it is an eternal hope as eternal words as eternal life. And again, what is your purpose? I thought of Samson. Samson was born for a purpose, and the Bible says what that purpose was. His purpose was to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. That was his purpose. I thought of another one, Jeremiah. Chapter 1, verse 5, says that this is God speaking. He said, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, 
I sanctified you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. So every one of us came into this world the same way. And every one of us has a purpose. Ordained you to be a prophet. Prophets didn't have good lives. A lot of them didn't. They were scorned for speaking out like Peter did so many times. But what's our purpose? We have to reflect on some of the songs we heard this morning. Some of the songs we sang. I surrender all. Look at the history of the reason the song, It Is Well With My Soul, was written. After a man had lost, I believe, his wife and three or four children on a ship. He sat down and penned the words, It Is Well with my soul. Jesus' birth and his death and his resurrection was to bring salvation. That we may say with Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me assure you, there's a God-given, God-inspired reason, purpose for each of us. And there's a reason each of you are here. It is not because of me. But I wonder, looking at our text, why would someone leave Jesus? It wasn't because they found any fault in him. Because he had no fault. Scripture tells us that he was tempted like all of us yet without sin. Scripture refers to him as the pure, spotless lamb of Calvary or of God. So why would anyone leave him? <clears throat> Sometimes, such is life, a person leaves the church, if you will. Sometimes groups of people leave a church. And I'm not speaking of just walking out of one church and into another. I'm talking of one or some who did what these people did. It says they walked no more with him. They left him. They wanted nothing more to do with Jesus. That's the difference. The parables in which Jesus spoke about concerning the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son reinforces the idea that it grieves the heart of God when anyone chooses to no longer worship him. the opposite side remains where the faithful need to commit to the choice that they've made and stay with Jesus. 
The choice to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. The early church period, the book of Acts indicates there are many factions, different beliefs which led to small groups coming from here and there. And the Apostle Paul and others were teaching and preaching. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 5 where a man named Gamaliel speaks up. Before the Sanhedrin, he gives two examples of, of two leaders of groups who were, we might say, false prophets in that day. And he gives example, and he says both of those went to nothing. And then in verse 39, Gamaliel says, if this movement is from God, is not from, if this movement is from man, it will come to naught. But if it's from God, he said, we can't overthrow it. Praise God for that. He said, if this movement, this teaching that Paul and the rest of the men who were preaching and teaching in his time, if it be of God, you can't overthrow it. So in this text, John 6, we see a teacher, Jesus, and his students. Also, we see some students, as I mentioned before, no longer abiding with the teacher. Disciples no longer walking with him. Not the 12 disciples. He had other disciples as well. As a student of the teacher whom the disciples had committed to, walked no more with him. All that was originally attractive about Jesus faded. Various scriptures, we read how Sadducees and Pharisees and chief priests and scribes trying to trick Jesus, and he would ask them questions, they would ask him questions, he would ask them questions, then they would put their heads together and whisper to each other. He didn't hear what they said, but he knew what they said. So he rebuked them for all the things that they were even just thinking. So I want to look at a couple of points here. Peter is clear as to why he and the other disciples will continue to walk with Jesus. Number one, the words of eternal life. Verse 63 of this chapter says, It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus never attended a funeral. Wherever he went, there was life. Yes, he went, and we know the account, how he went to the grave, how he went to the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus didn't stay there. He came up out of that ground. He had been dead four days. And we can't only know about Jesus. We must believe. John chapter 5, verse 24. <clears throat> says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 
Reason number two. Some translations use the words, the Holy One of God. Old Testament references, Holy One of God. These words, the Holy One of Israel, is not found many times in the New Testament. But in Acts 2, when Peter got up to preach at Pentecost, he referenced Psalm 16, verse 10, which spoke about the resurrection, but it said that he did not allow his Holy One to see corruption. I love the books of 1 John. 1 John 1, 2, and 3 seem to be not only a reflection of the time the 12 disciples spent with Christ, but it's further encouragement for new believers to know him, to have fellowship with him, to know Jesus. 1 John 1, 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. Another clincher as to why they were going to continue to walk with him. Now these two reasons lead us to the third one. The question, to whom shall we go? Have you ever thought about that? To whom shall we go? If you're not going to go with Jesus, who are you going with? Man will let you down. Man will make you lose trust in all men. It can be that way. Is there anyone else who offers words of eternal life? Is there any other who claim to be the one true God? And really is. No, there's not. We know the answer to that. As I mentioned earlier, the opportunity is universal. We, we can... These were sad words that Jesus said. You know, the disciples, we know how they were chosen. Jesus walked along the seashore and said, Peter, follow me. He dropped his nets. That was his livelihood. And went with Jesus. There's an indication in Scripture as well that Peter was married. Maybe he wanted to go home and be with his family again. But no. He said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But you can, you can feel, you can feel, you can hear the sadness in Jesus' words. Are you also going to go away? Are you going to reject all that you've seen me do for the sake of your own will? There's one thing in hell that I believe is real, it'll be remembering. Remembering the opportunities. 
Remembering the messages. Remembering you fill in the blank. With Jesus, you have it all. There's a story I want to share with you this morning. It's available online, and maybe some of you have heard it already. But stories told of of a wealthy widower who loved art. He and his son traveled the world. He traveled to faraway places and purchased paintings. Paintings by Van Gogh. Forgive me if I don't pronounce all these right. Picasso, Rembrandt, Monet. He purchased them. He brought them home. He collected them. They were worth millions, the collection he had. His son, of course, had the interest as well. But then war broke out. The world went to war. The son left his father, left the comforts of his home to go fight. And he wasn't gone very long, and he got a telegram. Father got a telegram one day saying his son was killed carrying another soldier to safety. Christmas was always a great time for father and son to be together. But on Christmas morning, there was a knock at the door. Dad got up, walked to the door, and there was a man, a young man, standing there with a big package. The young man said, you don't know who I am, but I'm the, I'm the man your son was carrying to safety when he was killed. And he said, I love art. And I want you to have what's in this package as a reminder of your son. Dad took the package, sat down on the chair, and opened the package, and it was a painting of his son. He said it wasn't a perfect painting, but it was good. He put it on his fireplace mantle. Next spring, Dad got sick and died. He had a will that said... He wants to have the auction, the date, and everything is to be sold. But there were some stipulations in the will. The morning of the auction, people came from miles around to buy something of this millions and millions of dollars 
of estate. The first, pick, the first thing to go on the auction block, guess what? The picture of the sun. The crowd went crazy. They said, we don't want that picture. We want those expensive ones. The auctioneer said, no, this was in the will. The picture of the sun goes first, and this is what we're going to sell. All right, the crowd calmed down. The auctioneer said, who'll give me $100? No response. Come on, give me $100. Finally, from the back of the crowd, one man held up his hand and said, and it was the gardener of the estate, he said, I'll give $100. I knew that boy. <clears throat> I should have a gavel. The auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold. And then he said, the auction is over. And then the crowd really came to life. We want the others. We want the others. Who cares about this? The auctioneer said there was a stipulation in the will that said whoever gets the sun gets it all. $100. People, church, that's life with Jesus Christ. Whoever gets the sun gets it all. That story is going to say, I don't know why, but it always gets me. I do know why. Because I know that whoever has the son gets it all. You will have eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. You have heaven and all of eternity to praise the Jesus who saved you from your sins. First John Chapter 5, verse 10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Let's stand for prayer. Our Father, we bow before you this morning. We thank you and we praise you. We praise you that we can call you our Father. We praise you that you sent Jesus Christ to this sin-cursed earth to walk among mankind, to teach, to preach, to heal, and then to die. But we praise God this morning that Jesus Christ, after three days in the tomb, is risen from the dead. 
after 40 days ascended to the glories of heaven. He prayed in John chapter 17. He prayed to his father and says, in my words, I can't wait till I get back to heaven with you to share the glory that I had before I came here. That was the gist of the prayer of those verses. Father, thank you. And then he arose and he ascended to the glories of heaven. After 10 days, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, the church, and Jesus Christ is in the glories of heaven today, interceding for the church, interceding for his people. Thank you. He's not only there interceding for us, he's waiting for the Father to say, go, receive the church. Receive the church to the glories of heaven. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this confession of Peter. Help us, O oh God, to be reminded each day, what is our confession? What does this mean to us? May all that's been said and done here bring honor and glory to your name, for you alone are worthy. And the church said, Amen.